When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Backing down a lefty hook, takes it in! With your host, Elliot Anderson, stopped it down behind his head. Seku Smith, the tipping is good at the buzzer. Now it's time for the tip. Somebody left the doors open again, and we're back. Seku Smith from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com. Sitting here with my co-host, and uh, partner in basketball crime, Lang Whitaker of Slam Magazine is here. What you, up? Who let you in the city, man? How do you keep, how do you keep popping I'm, up here? I'm on a Seku Smith media tour for the next 24 hours <laughs> here at Turner Sports, NBA Digital. You gonna hang out? You gonna hang out today? I'm here with you today, and then tomorrow we're on doing the jump, the That's jump right. together. That's right. Uh, and then, I'm, then I'm gonna eat some turkey. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> You'll need more than turkey to, to help you get through this. Listen, <laughs> Micah Hart, our super producer, is behind the glass with Lane Krause sitting in for Christy Kraft, who's normally pushing the buttons on the show here. Uh, sad. Start the show with some sad news, obviously. Uh, Greg Oden, done for yet another season in his young career. Uh, I know we've talked <laughs> quite a bit about, even going back to before that, that uh, draft with he and Kevin Durant and turns out Al Horford and some other guys, obviously, but we debated pretty vigorously about who would you take with that first pick. You, you always said Durant, you were you I, were convinced of Durant long before a lot of other people. Well, were. I don't know about long before, but I interviewed the two of them for right, slam. I remember. We did a cover with the two of them, sort of like the great debate. Who would you pick? Yeah. And I interviewed both of them and I asked them both the same series of questions. And there was one question that, that and it wasn't like I, I when I came out of it I, I it wasn't like I was saying don't take Odin but right. it was more so that I kind of felt like Durant there was one question I asked Durant where it was something where I asked both of them where it was something like uh, how are you gonna prove yourself to people or whatever and and Odin you know kind of gave the answer I'm gonna work hard I'm gonna do that and and Durant was like I'm gonna go through people like right. I'm I'm you're not gonna be able to stop me I'm gonna go through and he was so sure of himself and that answer kind of swayed me a little bit yeah. Um, and I, I wrote I would take Durant, but I also said I think Odin's going to be a multiple-time All-Star. I don't think – I mean, obviously nobody thought that this was going to be his future. And, it, no. and it's it's devastating for Blazer fans and I'm sure Greg too. It's, it's strange because, like you mentioned, when you're talking about these two guys, nobody would tell you, well, you, I want this guy, but the other guy's not going to be a great player. Right. Like you just assume they would both be right. multiple All-Stars. 
or multiple time all stars and and great players. Now, for me, the question really becomes: Can Odin ever like get under the get from underneath this avalanche of junk that starts his career? You know, these injuries, the first four seasons basically lost all but eighty two games and yeah. lost to, to knee injuries and another micro fracture now, which we don't know how long it'll be before he comes back from this. And then what state does he come back in right. as a player? I mean, I, it's just a it's a rough way to see a guy's career start who you had such high hopes for. I mean, you you got to remember now back to that Final Four. What do you have, 25, 12, and four blocks? Yeah. Against Joe Kim Noah and Al Horford in Florida? Yeah. He was awesome. I mean, it was crazy. I, you know, I'm like a lot of people that I got caught up in that one performance and thought there's no way this dude is not the second coming of, you know, whatever. But it's stunning now to sit here and realize that he's not going to have a chance maybe until he's 24 or 25 years old to consistently be on the floor to even try and do something. And, I mean, I guess the good thing, if you want to look at a like try to find a silver lining, is that he's so young, you know, and he's he's still got a lot of years ahead of him. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Grant Hill had – horrible injuries and was able to come back and and he's had a long career a healthy career um i think a lot of that's just is is not being unlucky you sure. know like odin's been unlucky um and i mean you know the, the everyone always brings up sam bowie and and talks about how portland passed on michael jordan to take bowie and he had all those injuries sam bowie actually had a, a, a large portion of his career where he was a good nba player yeah. it was in new jersey but he had four seasons where he averaged something like 72 games a year and like almost a double-double. He, he was an right. effective NBA player. And, I mean, there's no reason Odin can't be, at, at the worst, an effective NBA player. If yeah. not a good NBA player, a really good player. I mean, he, he has he, – he's shown that he has the basketball ability to do it. He's not just a tall guy. He's a really yeah. good basketball player. Yeah. And now, he, you know, he's, he's just got to get healthy. And, and I don't, there's no re- – that's the hard part is that there's no answer for that. Yeah. Like, how, how does that happen? It's uh... – you know, it's, it's one of those things that's going to be very interesting to watch. David Aldrich, colleague of ours, uh, to this morning on a, or any time you want to check it out on NBA.com in his morning tip, wrote a really detailed, interesting story, you know, about not only Greg Oden's, you know, injury situation up in Portland, but Brandon Roy's and kind of how mm-hmm. this colors the future for the Blazers going forward. It's, I'll tell you what, if you look at how well they've managed things through all this injury stuff, and I'm talking about everybody from – the head coach to, you know, guys who are who they've moved since have had issues, you know, injury problems. It's pretty impressive the way they've handled it. But now, where do they? What's their next step? Becomes the real big question with not only Odin but Brandon Roy. And I'm I'm curious to see what they do because, as we've seen with this this trade over the weekend that the uh, New Orleans Hornets did mm-hmm. to kind of make some moves and and put their team in a different position. I'm curious how many teams are going to be passive about correcting whatever wrongs they have going into this summer and what, you know, potentially could be a, you know, a work stoppage, knock on wood, let's hope not. But, I mean, I'm curious to see what what kind of proactive measures teams are going to take to to fix those sorts of things going forward because you don't want to wait until yeah. April and to start thinking about it. You need to be thinking about it now. I think with the Blazers, though, the, I mean, they kind of have to wait because that's the, you know, you don't know how Roy is going to be. Yeah. You don't know when Prisbilla gets back, if that's going to be what they need. You know, and they were kind of proactive last year when they went out and got Camby, and, and I think that fills that need. You know, th- that's this is why they got Camby in case Odin's not able to play. And, and now with Roy down, you got to get him back. I, I think there's teams that can only wait. Yeah. But then there's some other teams that, like you say, like New Orleans went out and got 
Jared Jack to, to back up Chris Paul. And I, yeah. I think there's teams that are going to have to be a little more proactive and maybe they make a run for it this year. Although the way some of these teams are playing, <laughs> the Lakers and the Spurs are kind of running away with it in the yeah. West. Well, and the Horn- I mean, the Hornets are right there, 11-1, yeah. and one, which, again, you know, makes you – it has to impress you, you know, what Dell Dimps has done, mm-hmm. you know, in a short time there. And, um, but enough of the enough of the somber news. Uh, uh, my favorite – one of my favorite young players in the league was at it again this weekend, Blake Griffin. I don't know if you saw some of these yeah. video game highlights he had against <laughs> – Against the Knicks, he—I'm serious. I know the Clippers are, are abomination, and you know we shouldn't be. You know, uh, I got a lot of emails from Knicks fans giving me the business over the weekend, like, "Hey, you do know they they lost the game, right?" Yeah. It's like, "Yeah, I know they lost, but I, I I can still appreciate what Blake Griffin is doing in defeat." I mean, do you think he's going to be rookie of the year? It's a great, great question. I don't know how you separate he and John Wall right now. It doesn't look like we're going to have an opportunity to look at one and go, well, his team's playing better. Right. His team's going to make the playoffs and his isn't. Right, um, right now it doesn't look like either team is going to be a playoff team necessarily. Right. They're, gonna, they're both going to have wacky numbers. Yeah. Uh, and this, and we're, we're talking about this Thanksgiving week, so somebody else could get crazy hot. Yeah. Like Steph Curry did last year, who yeah. started slow and, and kind of get in the middle of the race. But if I had to guess right now, I would say Wall has the inside track only because he's a point guard, he's going to be on what should be a better team. Yeah. And he can put up triple-double numbers, you know, multiple times, whereas Blake Griffin has to work a little bit different to yeah. put up a triple-double. I mean, he could get a double-double all day long. but Wall gets – yeah, Wall has the ball in his hand. Yeah, more. I mean, it's so it's a different dynamic. Yeah. I picked Blake Griffin before the year just on sheer Donkey Kong craziness. Like, I want to see a, a 260-pound dude jumping out of gym, which – yeah. He's already done enough for me. He's lived up to all the hype I thought he would in right, terms right. of being a a physical specimen and a you know and a above the rim force. But I so want to see the Clippers did you play see, better. Uh, the Amari's reaction. Have you seen that clip from this weekend? Yet? Yeah. Hey, it takes one to know one. Amari Amari was a freak like that yeah. before that's, that's his knee surgery. I, I, mean, I posted yeah. something about it on the uh, on the All Ball blog uh, this morning. Look, see, I can say it uh, without stumbling. But uh, <laughs> it, I mean, that's really what it looked like. He was like, hey. I I used to be able to do that. Yeah. I still can sometimes. But. Takes one to know one, baby. I mean, yeah. like, I think if you look at the way other players watch Blake Griffin, it's the same way they watched and talked about Tyreek Evans last year, like mm-hmm. where he gets kind of some immediate respect from older mm-hmm. veteran players where they go, hey, you know, this is not some flash in the pan. This dude's, you know, yeah. this dude's for I think real. Wall gets it too. And Wall gets at it. Yeah, Wall gets at it On as well. On the, the speed factor. Yes. Like I've heard all these guys talk about it. I heard two different coaches compare him to Ricky Green. Wow. And I, and that's funny because I didn't really remember Ricky Green. I went and looked him up, and I found some quote from Lute Olson who said, uh, if you triple, tre- triple team Ricky Green, that's a mismatch in his favor because <laughs> <laughs> he's so fast. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you the, the one thing about not only Tyreek last year yeah. and then Wall specifically and Blake Griffin, in addition to them being good players, physical freaks of nature at their specific position. I mean, John yeah. Wall is not a little man. No, no. You know, he's 6'4". You, I mean, Lang, you've been around him up close. You know he's a big guy for his position. Like, yeah. He's not some 6'170 pound point guy. We're talking about a 6'4 and probably going to end up being a 200 plus pound player during his career. And then Blake Griffin, I don't care how tall he is. I've seen everything from 6'8 and a half to 6'10". Yeah. But I know what he looks like when he's in the air. 
you know, and it's like Hawk people from Flash Gordon or something. I mean, he's like. Do you think he could be in the dunk contest this year? Who? Blake. You th- you think? No, but the reason I know LA? that seems like a silly in question, LA? but At I, Staples? I feel like his dunks in a in a vacuum. I don't know if they'd be that amazing. His you gotta, best dunks you, are you know in transition and no no no. no. And you got to get on YouTube. Rec- you, know, you can't recreate that. No, you got to get on YouTube. He go back and look at what he did during the McDonald's All American Dunk Contest. Like he's. He's definitely done contest material. We can get him and McBob and a few other guys, round them up, and uh, I think they'll be fine There's all, for All-Star I Weekend. I always thought that they should do um, – I have a lot of feelings about the dunk contest. But I always <laughs> thought that uh, somebody should – for a dunk, I don't know if you're allowed to – you know, you ha- they, they have guys help you out and throw you out of Right. Why don't you dunk on someone? I Listen. Have them try to block your shot and dunk on them. I had like, a, wouldn't I that had be a, impressive? I had a great debate or a conversation with somebody about this a couple of years ago during All-Star Weekend because we were complaining about yeah. it. I think it might have been the year, actually, that Chris Anderson missed, like, 32 dunks. Right, right. And, you know, we're kind of sitting there going, God, is he ever going to make one? You know? And I told uh, another reporter who was sitting by me, I told him, I said, you know what? I said, they should change this and have a three-on-three half court and you can only dunk and put right. all the guys in the dunk contest in it. Like, maybe, no other shot, just a dunk. You got to dunk on somebody Maybe lower times. the goal to yeah, nine feet. Yeah, I mean – because the easier. best dunks to me are the ones I, – I don't get excited when I see a dude on a fast break go up and do a 360. It's like, yeah, see yeah. it many times. What I like is when somebody goes up and another guy goes up and tries to stop him. That's, mm-hmm. Those are the dunks that make you jump out your chair now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. When's the last time you saw a guy do a fast break and you jumped up and went, oh, you know, yeah. we've seen everything. Yeah. I mean, Griffin's dunks on Saturday, I mean, his one over Mozgov was insane, but I almost liked his tip-in dunk better because it was – he almost did the D Brown dunk or the Vince Carter dunk with the elbow yeah. Yeah. to the rim just because that's how high he gets. Yeah, I like I like the 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 Mozgov dunk even though it was like one of those Dwight that was kind of like Dwight's Superman yeah. deal where it was a We didn't really Yeah, he didn't yeah. really yank on the rim. Yeah. But anytime a dude dunks in traffic, you know, with other guys his size or bigger around, if you get up before everybody else gets up consistently I'm, you know, you can count me as a fan because I, I like to see somebody get up, and and I mean he's up there trying to embarrass somebody. He's like right. he's trying to poke on somebody. My other thing I, I think would be a cool addition to All Star Weekend, not just the dunk contest, which rewards like creativity and what what about like a power dunk contest? <laughs> and you get someone to sponsor it, and then you get a, a a basket that has some sort of a you know measuring system on it, right? So you know how hard, and then you have Blake Griffin. Dwight Howard, Shaq, bringing Shaq, <laughs> so you can dunk it the hardest, and uh, so he was like the most powerful dunker in the NBA. That, you know what? And you know that sports science crew? Yeah. Couldn't they come in and like measure the full. I mean, that'd be interesting. Like, we might need to talk to David Stern. You know where? You know where his guys? <laughs> yeah, man. that's where's, true. We're his advance team. Maybe they ought to send us to LA early so we can- <laughs> let me text him. <laughs> I blogged about this last week also, uh, as long as we're talking about things we'd like to see All-Star Weekend. I'd love to see a trick shot contest. It seems like that's really... Don't they have horse? Well, but horse... Horse, yeah. I'm talking about, like, uh... like the guys that do perfect, like that kind of stuff. Like, take a player, you know, give them each, like, a video camera or a guy from their team's video department and go out for, like, the day, like, on Saturday and film, like, the craziest trick shot that they can, can, uh, you know... Finish because the problem with doing it live, just like you saw on horses, takes there's just too many misses. Right, right. Are you? I mean, I'm not. I haven't gotten into the trick shot phenomenon. I mean, I've watched some of the videos. Yeah. That's. I know it's. I mean, I know it's a big deal. I know some pe- people are into it, but it just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm. You know. 
Oh, that's fine. I'll just quit then. <laughs> I give up now. We don't take, you don't have to do all that, Mike. I'm just... <laughs> Sinker can't make a trick shot. I know. I was like, yeah, I mean, you know. I don't. I didn't mean to send you off, <laughs> off the rails. There, it's just. I'm gonna go cry. <laughs> speaking of speaking of trick shots, we got a special guest lined up today. Um, in addition to our uh, a couple of really uh, anticipated guests, certainly from myself, Luke Rittenauer of the Minnesota Timberwolves is coming on today. As is another point guard. We're kind of point guard heavy for Thanksgiving, but. Uh, Speaking of speaking of our trick shot guy, I told you we had a guest, special guest lined up for you. This guy, he just barged through the door. Look at him. Wearing, listen, he's wearing his Paul Hewitt. He's wearing his Paul Hewitt tribute jersey. 3D. Dennis Scott Paul, is in the building again. Paul Hewitt must go jersey. <laughs> is that what you talking about? Mike check. Am I in? Yeah, man. You're in here. I don't hear myself. Yo, we hear you. We hear you. No, we, we're just wondering how much you, uh, you know. Where you and uh, Paul Hewitt were at in your relationship right now, 3D, because we figure it's got to be something going on. Well, Paul Hewitt's a great guy, and, and that I'm not going to take from him, but it's time to it's time to, to for time him to, to realize that you you got to bring horses in here. you got to bring thoroughbreds in here. And to make things happen, you know, it's frustrating. We're so used to having, you know, guys that get it done – and Georgia Tech, so to see what's going on and not bringing in the players consistently is, is frustrating. Yeah. Well, listen, we uh, I was just explaining to everybody, we got a, we got a fantastic show lined up today. Um, we got Luke Rittenauer and Mike Conley Jr. Ooh. on the show today. So we love having you in here with us. Make sure you sit down and we'll get you a chair. Get you a little lunch. Get you, you know, get all your stuff tightened up here so we can get rocking and rolling on the Hang Time Podcast because it's Thanksgiving week, 3D. You know, it's Thanksgiving time. We got a lot to be thankful for. Well, Thanksgiving is, is one of those family holidays where you don't get a chance to see all your kinfolk. <laughs> and that's one of the times of years where you're like, man, I ain't seen little Reggie in a long time. <laughs> man, little Reggie, you still eating up all that food, boy? <laughs> you, might so, be, you might be surprised to hear this. I don't have anyone named little Reggie in my family. <laughs> you know, I don't have any little Reggie. I don't know if I got a little Reggie in the house. Oh, you got big Reggie, huh? <laughs> big Red. We got a big Red, maybe. I don't know about a little Reggie. But now, it's, uh, it, you know, this Thanksgiving week is always uh, – strange to me because it's like that first month of the season is kind of in the books so you get a chance to sit back stare at the league a little bit stare at the standings see who stands out to you who you know what teams stand out to you maybe what teams don't I, I was talking about this earlier this morning and I posted something on the Hangtime blog about Udonis Haslam and this torn ligament in his foot mm-hmm. and what does this do to the Miami Heat I mean are, can we still talk about Epic seasons and all. I mean, are we past that now? Is it, have we had enough time to look at this team and everybody say, okay, let's let's recalculate what the expectations were because they've dealt with not only an injury to Haslam now, but Mike Miller, the the struggles adjusting to this group playing together. I mean, can we look back at them now and maybe change up what our expectations are for the Heat? I think so, and yeah. I think we're all uh, are some of the blame. I think. Because we saw three major names put their heads together and go somewhere we all thought they wouldn't go. Right. But uh, we all have to realize that just because they're that good as individuals don't mean you're going to become a great team overnight. Right. And that's the part I think we all got caught up into all the hoopla and going to South Beach. Oh, my goodness, he did Cleveland the way he did them. 
But now you have to realize Aurora and Chalmers, they're, they're not Rondo. Right. They're not like a young Rondo when right. the big three got together in Boston. Yeah. I think that's what we're missing yeah. in the big pictures, that they don't have the ancillary pieces that Boston already had in place when they put their big three together. Yeah. And I think as each game goes on, you see that more magnified. I wonder if, like, I think for Miami, they knew all along, you know, we're not day one, we're not going to be the big three in Boston. We're not going to be that good. It's going to be a process. But I think all of us, the fans, the media, we all – that's what we wanted to see right. from day one. And I think maybe in a way the Haslam injury causes all of us to kind of rethink the way we perceive this team. And, and you know, it gives us a chance to step back and be like, okay, you know, we don't – if they're if they're great right now, it's not as important as if they're great in May. Yeah. Well, hopefully this injury will have one of their – Oh, wait a minute. They don't have any young big guys. I was going to say one of their young big guys. He plays in Minnesota now. Oh, wait a minute. There is no young big guy. So now you got Juwan Howard, and we love the death, but he's he's old as zoo dirt right now. So he doesn't need to be out there playing heavy minutes against these young studs that's going after him. And that's the part now where Miami's in big trouble because UD was your best interior defender and your best rebounder. Now, can Chris Bosh change his stripes and get in there and get a bloody nose, get a busted lip, get dirty, and get those 15, 16, 17 rebounds? You get eight, nine rebounds because you're 6'11", you're in the paint, you're going to get rebounds. But to get those big-time rebounds, you got to get in there and get dirty. You know, and the one saving grace that everybody talked about said, well, Bosh doesn't have to be a tough guy because he's got Udonis Haslam. He'll have his back. Right. Now Udonis Haslam's going to be over there in the boot. In the boot. And if if Bosch thought the pressure was intense this first month, wait until he gets to, you know, mid-January. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the All-Star break, lugging around all this, you know, stuff, trying to get this done with Joel Anthony and Juwan Howard and Zadrunas Ogowskis as his, you know, cohorts. I mean, it's going to be tough sledding for Chris Bosch from now until whenever Haslam gets back and until they find another big body. I don't know. I know Eric Dampier's name has been tossed around, but yeah. they got to get some help. They got to find a way well, to get some Bosch help. Bosch has kind of picked it up just these last few days. It, hel- it helps Who playing. Play? It, yeah, it play? helps playing teams that don't have dominant big front court yeah. players that, that can challenge you. You know, and I'm, and the sun, I mean, I, when I watched him get 35 last week against the Suns, and I kept thinking, that's Hito and Channing Fry trying to guard him. Like he should get thirty-five. False sense of security. Yeah, you That's, think so? That, that, hands down. What, what has Phoenix done on this road trip? They've been on. They've been right. getting spanked. Right. And, and that's the part where it, it, it's frustrating as a Heat fan because now all the hoopla and the dust is clear. All the confetti's been sweeped out the way. And now, as Dennis Green said, you are who you are. You had three great players. Well, right. two great players. <laughs> And Chris Bosh is still trying to show us he can be yeah. a great player 2010. So now the ball's not coming to him every possession. Right. That's how he was able to get 24 and 10. Mm-hmm. And people are forgetting about that. Jay Toronto, 80% of the offense ran through Bosh. Yeah. And now he's showing it's tough for him to be a role player. Yeah. See, D-Wade's proven, okay, all right, LeBron, do your thing. I, I rebound, I assist. Mm-hmm. Or you're not, oh, give me the ball. Now it's my turn to take over. All right. Chris Bosh hasn't been able to take over unless they're playing less five hundred teams. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's interesting. Listen, we're gonna let's let's go let's get our first guest in here real quick. Dennis, before before you uh joined us here, Lang and I had a chance we actually had a chance to talk to one of our guests before you got in here. Um It was Sekou's favorite player, was, yeah. so we had we had <laughs> to do it. Yeah. Do you listen to this guy? He's giving me the business about Luke Ridnar. It's my guy. Sure guy. Rid is my guy. So 
we uh, we decided to uh, to see if he'd have a few minutes to join us, so we hollered at him before the, before you came in. So let's let's take a listen to that, and then we'll come back and talk about it after he's done. Joining us now on the Hang Time Podcast, one of my all-time faves, as Lang will, will no doubt make fun of me for later. I, all of Twitter is going to make fun yeah. of me for this. <laughs> Luke Rittenauer of the Minnesota Timberwolves, the man that I'm predicting will uh, take over the state at some point and run for governor. Luke, how are you? I'm doing good. Good to be on your guys' show. Appreciate it, man. We listen. We're talking point guards crazy today, you know, and and we've been talking about this this great debate about best point guards in the league, and you know who who's the guy that you could kind of separate from the pack, or the guys you could separate from the pack. You're you're in the middle of it, you know. You're in the league. How do you stack the race in terms of best point guards in the NBA right now? Ah, uh, man, it's so tough because every night there's somebody that's good, but. To me, I think Darren Williams is definitely uh, hes definitely up there, just the way he runs the team. You know, he's big, fast, strong, and just as somebody you got to guard come against, I think he, he's right up there at the top. Luke, uh, I spoke to a, a friend of yours <laughs> in the NBA who shall rename, remain nameless, Nick Collison. <laughs> he told me to ask you about – he told me to ask you uh, if you still wear a shoestring for a belt. <laughs> You know, he warned me about about this question coming up. <laughs> My thing is, hey, I'd rather be comfortable, so I go with the shoestring belt all the time. Well, that plays in. Speaking of comfort, tell us about the comfort zone. <laughs> comfort zone was, uh, I think, Brent Berry gave my my little apartment my first year the comfort zone name just because. It was pure couch and TV. That was it. Well, I heard it was more like the bed was on the floor. <laughs> there, was a, there was a lot of places to lay. That's sure. TV was on the floor. Yeah, everything was on the floor. <laughs> so, Luke, you, I mean, you, you've had an interesting ride in, in your NBA career, of course. Yeah. You know, getting a chance to play. I would imagine getting a chance to play for the Sonics, you know, in front of basically what amounts to a home crowd had to be – a, a thrilling experience, but then you go to some other places. You know, certainly the last last year, a, a really nice run in Milwaukee with uh, mm-hmm. you know in the, in their first round playoff series against Atlanta, and now in Minnesota, where there's a lot of attention on some of the things that David Kahn has done as as the president, general manager of the team, and two young you know stud players mm-hmm. up up in that front court, and Michael Beasley and Kevin Love. How do you know when you have the right kind of mix? that allow you be you know to be successful in, in the future? Uh, I think it's just giving those guys time just to play together. I mean, there's so many so many new guys and so many guys that really are just trying to find themselves in the league. I think it takes a few years to find out what you can do, what you can't, and getting guys around that, you know, are going to buy into the same system. And uh, with Minnesota, you know, I, I know it's a young team, but I think they got enough guys around there they can grow together and get better and better. How long? How long did it take you to like kind of find your place in the league? Uh, I think you just kind of get that confidence as you play a couple of years. You know what you can do, and you know I was fortunate to be on some teams that were were pretty good, and uh, had some veterans that really helped me out in Seattle. So um, I think for me it was just just actually starting to win games it helped me just realize you know that I belong in this league and can help a team win. So. For Minnesota, you know, I think it's the same same boat with these guys. Just just finding ways to figure out how to win games, and I think we'll get better and better. Luke, a lot of people talk about Ricky Rubio. We talked about him on the show last week. Mm-hmm. 
how how often do you hear his name mentioned and you know and people assuming that all of you guys up there now are basically warming the seat for him, which I, I disagree yeah. with, but I mean I'm sure that's yeah. a part of the process of playing point guard there now. Yeah, I think it is. I mean I mean, this is my eighth year in the league, and I've heard so much stuff that I pretty much don't listen to anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Every day it's something new, so right. I just try to come out and play. But you know, if that's the direction they go, that's the direction they go. I, you know, we can't worry about that. And for me, I'm just going to keep playing. And I've told the other guys here, we just got to worry about the now because you don't know what, what tomorrow holds. What's it been like picking up the triangle offense up there for a point guard, especially? Uh, yeah, it's taking some time just because, you know, your whole life you're used to running a lot of, like, pick and rolls and right. stuff like that. It's just a different – it's a different way to get into things. Um, but there's a lot of good movement in it, a lot of good passing. Um, it just takes time for everyone to gel together. I mean, we got so many new guys. It's just everyone picking it up at the same time and figuring each other out. I think it takes a little bit of time. As a, as a point guard, does the – do you – does the triangle change the way you play the game? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, you're more of just uh, making sure everyone's where they're supposed to be, and then and everyone kind of just reads where the ball goes. So it's right. a little bit different. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to pick it up and just do what I can to help this team uh, be successful at it. Luke, you talked about, you know, being in the league eight years and – kind of the adjustments that you make as a player to your to your own game what's been the the biggest modification you've made over the course of your career uh when you think about how you played you know when you were in seattle to now yeah i think just uh you know the first couple of years of just trying to go so full tilt you're just trying to go all the time and um now your game kind of slows down you can pick and choose what you do and you know, for me, I'd always try to get to the rim, you know, and I can't even dunk, but I'd try to get up there. And <laughs> now, you know, you just figure out you, you got to get the little pull-up jumpers and things like that. So, for me, the game's just really slowed down. It's not such a such a uh, rush out there. Mm. Speaking of slowing down, let's talk the opposite direction, going full speed, and uh, your, your <laughs> Oregon Duck football team. Uh, They're big time. <laughs> <laughs> Has that been fun for you to watch this year? Oh, it's been great, man, just seeing – I just like all the scoring, too. So the tempo is fun to watch. I'm expecting to see your face on one of those play cards. <laughs> would that be I like kind of hope I make it. Yeah. <laughs> would that be like a high point of your career? To... <laughs> that, would, that would just make my career right there. Forget the all-star game. Call <laughs> it's like, uh, it looks like Chip Kelly copied a little bit of what you guys did, you know, on the basketball team in Oregon. You there, Luke Jackson, Fred Jones, mm-hmm. and yourself were kind of, you know, the headliners there. Um, is it is it a, a strange deal for you, flipping back to the NBA now? How few teams in this league play different styles of basketball? You know, it's not like college where one team runs yeah. this, another team runs that. It's so much of it is is similar from stop to stop. Yeah, it really is. I think the, it's fun seeing the games kind of went small. Not, I mean, everyone. It seems like it's more up tempo. Smaller guys are playing the four and the five spots. Um, it's just a fun style of basketball. I mean, there's always, you know, the good teams that have the big guys, but it seems like the, the up-tempo of the league is really kind of picked up. What's uh, Beasley's really broken out the last couple of weeks. Like, how, What do you yeah. attribute that to? I think it's just figuring out what he could do in the offense. I mean, I yeah. think uh, everyone was just thinking so much the first, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten games. Right. It's where you can get your shots, how you can do it. And it really does just, slowing down and seeing where you can be effective in it. And I think he's kind of 
kind of figure that out, and he's, he's really shot the ball well. So what do you think, Luke, is the missing piece for y'all right now? Like, this season, what would it take for the Timberwolves to move, you know, maybe to that next step? Uh, really, I think it's just development. Everyone just coming together, playing together. I mean, it's going to take time, and anytime you're in the West, you know, it's not easy. So for us, it's just, just playing together and uh, figuring out what we can do, what we can't, and having these young guys grow. I mean, they're, they're all 22, 23 years old, so <laughs> – um, it's going to take a little bit for them just to get used to it. And, you know, they're, they're so talented. I think they're really going to be good. Yeah. You uh, you mentioned that those young guys, uh, and the league is really dominant, you know, has this dominant yeah. group of young players coming up. Mm-hmm. You're not – I mean, for a guy that's not even 30 years old yet to start talking about <laughs> young guys and, you know, getting – I mean, is that strange for you at all? Uh, It's really weird, just – <laughs> it goes by so fast, man. I can't believe it's my eighth year. Right. But uh, I was talking to Derek Martin. He's a, he's a, one of our assistants. And I said, does that mean I'm getting old because I played against you? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's weird how quick it's gone. But at the same time, it's kind of fun to be in a different situation. And especially Minnesota, be the oldest guy and just kind of kind of try to help these guys. No doubt. Now that you're one of the old guys, do you uh, – Yeah. Do you, uh, have you looked ahead? Like, what do you think you'll do after you get done playing? Uh, you know, I'm a family guy. I just want to be with my family and mm-hmm. enjoy coaching them and being with them and doing some ministry work. So mm-hmm. probably just uh, hang out most of the time. Put the TV on the floor. And... Yeah, comfort zone. I'm going to make the comfort zone all over again. <laughs> Nick said it looked like something on the wire. <laughs> hey, his house wasn't any better. So can't really say We're going to get Nick on in a couple of weeks. So I want to yeah, bring this up with him. <laughs> Yeah, ask him about his. His was a comfort zone, too. <laughs> the sequel. <laughs> well, listen, Luke, we appreciate you joining us, man, uh, taking some time out. And uh, like I said, we'll, we'll keep up with you. And if you ever uh, right. if you ever hear about a, a Twitter argument between Lang and myself, it's usually me making sure he sees every shot you make during a game and him telling me to shut hey, up. So I like that. <laughs> well, it gave, it was, I was glad we had you on, Luke, because he gave Saker a chance to wear his Luke Rittenauer jersey today. <laughs> so. Keep wearing it for me, at least. No gotcha. doubt, man. Appreciate it, Luke. Thanks, All right. Luke. All right, yeah, take thanks, care. Guys. All right. Like, loves I, Luke. I like. I like. I like. I do. That's my. He guy. really does. He. That's like that's his favorite dude. guy. I listen. My thing about Rittenauer is not, and I didn't bring this up earlier, Lang. I should have. The other thing about Rittenauer is the ultimate caretaker point guard. Like, if you don't have an elite player at a position, yeah. to me, you got to have a Rittenauer. Like, you got to have a dude that won't get you beat. Yeah. When he played in Seattle. Ray Allen and Rashard didn't have to worry about a damn thing. Mm-mm. Rittenauer set the table every mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. They won 54 games, and he wasn't great. He wasn't an all-star, but he was exactly <clears> what you want on a team with other star players that you don't want. You know, like, I don't want a point guard that's fighting with my damn mm-hmm. all-star two or three for shots and, you know, mm-hmm. right. who's going to run the team. Like, you know. What, what, what I like about Rittenauer, and he fits in the line with, you know, guys like Joe Johnson uh, when he first got to Atlanta. And Coach K said this about him during the Olympic trials. When a coach talks about a player that's high maintenance, yeah. talks about a player that's low maintenance, yeah. Luke Rittenauer is no maintenance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a coach's dream. Yeah. He's going to work hard. He's yeah. going to be in shape. Yep. He's going to do the right thing. If he makes a turnover because he's trying to do the right thing yeah. and he happens to turn the ball over. Right. And that's where if you can have a, a stability guy like that on your roster yep. that he can start if you want him to, he shouldn't be a starter 82 nights, but he can be. 
And that's the part where we're kind of like Jose Calderon. Mm-hmm. He had those great years a few yeah. years ago, got the big contract. And some people say, well, he's not a starter. But his numbers look good. But then as the season goes on, he starts to play against those upper echelon point guards. Mm-hmm. And you say, you know what, yeah, he's not quite a, point, a starting point, but you need him on your team. Well, I think if you look at Brandon Jennings' rookie season, a lot of mm-hmm. the yeah. successes he had were because yeah. – Scott Skiles could lean on Luke Ritten. I'm not trying to be funny either. No, Scott Skiles could lean right on Luke on Ritten now at crunch right time and other times when he maybe needed to show Brandon Jennings, like, yo, I need you to do this. At this, this is how I need you to handle this at this time in a game. And it worked It worked beautifully last year. Look at the Bucks now. And they got my man Keon Dooling there now, different kind of point guard. Not the Tough. same dynamic, you yeah. know, for Brandon Jennings. Something they're probably having to get adjusted to but just not the same dynamic. And maybe that's why Luke's such a good fit with Minnesota. Yeah. With so many young guys. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he told us he's the oldest guy on that team. <laughs> wow, he's the eighth-year right. player. Eighth-year right. player. Oldest guy on the team. Old head. That's right. Really. And those are the kind of guys, like you were talking about, the caretaker guys. Those are the guys who have 12, 13, 14-year careers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, instead of the guys who come in two or three years and then go overseas. Or right. Whatever. It's kind of like we were, we were laughing. You and I were covering the Hawks when they drafted Royal Ivy. Yeah. And we said, you know what? Yeah, he's not the great talent. Yeah. But you don't have to worry about him. Yeah. And 15 years will go by, you're going to look up and say, Royal Ivy's still playing? Yeah. And, and you just need those guys in your locker room. It's just it's mm-hmm. huge. We need, to, we need to come up with a name for it. Like, uh, it's, it's like a – Mike and, and uh, Kevin McCormick kind of laughing about this last week. What, what do we call it? The the actors who are in all these movies and like you look back and that guy the that guy award like we need to call it this, we this talked is about like, it. The, like that it's like the Kevin Ollie we talked the, about <laughs> another one there's another one Kevin Ollie or, say, oh he can't play what about Anthony Coaches Johnson love him. oh yeah right. AJ is a prime example yep. I did a story on AJ a couple years ago on Slam just and we called him Mr Average because <laughs> he's the guy who like he could walk in a restaurant and you might not even know he's an NBA player right. but he's made well over thirty million dollars playing in the NBA wow. you know. He's been around forever. He's yeah. been on great teams, been to the finals. Yeah, a couple you know, times. Yeah, I mean, he's had – there's a lot of guys who've had these long careers who uh, who people probably don't even know. Probably won't remember Even them, NBA yeah. fans don't yeah. even know the guys. You're right. You're right. You know what? That's, to me, there's some there's some beauty in that now, to be able to blend in and be Stay a role lane. player of some sort for a decade. Yeah. That's – that's impressive. Yeah. Because these guys realize they do what they do best. They stay in their lane. They get out the way. And they never have a coach like, why is this guy not in the right place? Yeah. Why is this guy late? Right. Little stuff like that. That guy is always on time. He's always trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Rittenauer said something interesting, too, about uh, um, we asked him about just how do you modify your game, you know, at this stage of your career, basically. You know, because you, when you're young, who doesn't come into the league with that idea that, man, I'm going to be the greatest? You know, I'm going to want to be one of the all-time greats. If you don't come into the league with that attitude, you probably shouldn't show up. Right. But four or five years in, reality has to set in. You have to go, all right, where do I fit in this grand scheme of things? Right. And like, you know, So to me, that's really an interesting dynamic for any player. And, and Dennis, you explain to us how that works. Like, when do you get into the NBA and, and realize, okay, this may have been my goal. This now has to become my goal, and I have to do this, this, and this to adjust. It's like when does realism set yeah, in? Yeah, like in a way. Is... For most of us, I'd say the first year or two. Really, you you realize if you are athletic, 
<laughs> you realize if you can handle the basketball. Right. You realize if you're fast enough and quick enough to do the things you did in college. Right. You realize that the first year because you try certain things right. that got you got away with <laughs> in, in college, and you get to the basket and you get that stuff smacked out of bounds. You say, well, I guess I'm not going to try that no more. Yeah. Then you get in there and you try to box out a big-time rebound, and he pushes you out the way and get the rebound. You said, well, I guess I'm not a good rebounder. <laughs> you really realize that because – Four games in five nights never happens in college. Right. Never happens. Five games in nine nights never happens in college. So now you realize you have to take care of your body. Yeah. You've got to get your rest. Little things like that, you tell these guys at RTP, Rookie Transition Program, they hear it, they hear it, yeah. they don't see it until it happens to them. Right. And that's why you see certain guys disappear quickly. Right. And then the smarter guys, the guys who have high basketball IQ, they adjust and their games elevate and then they who you know, they they turn their games into what they did in college. In a, in a way, weren't you weren't your skills like pretty transferable once you hit the NBA? As far as like just being a a, a shooter, a spot up guy. Well, and th- and that's at Tech you did a lot of that, right? Well, at Tech, when you go back and look, I did a lot of posting up, and that's yeah, the part yeah. that people who know my game they say, "Oh man, I remember you used to play." I'm like, Phew. I'm glad somebody has a memory. I'm, I know Google wasn't big back when I was in, back in college and high school, but people forget I was a post up. I used to get dunked back in the day, right. but I realized I was not a dunker. Those right, are, right. These guys had real athleticism. Right, right. I just could get a fast break dunk, but what I realized they couldn't shoot. Yeah. When, I, when I came out of co- high school and college in the late 80s, early 90s, guys couldn't shoot the basketball. Yeah. The numbers were low. Glenn Rice, Dale Curry, uh, Dale Ellis, mm-hmm. you know, that's – and Glenn Rice, you know, guys like that. So, you know what? That's kind of more my fit. Yeah. And then on the defensive end, I love telling this story. The coaches always teach you what on defense? Sprint to the lane. Get back to the lane. So, I said, Coach uh, – I'm going to fan out to the wing and tell Kenny to pass me the ball to the wing. Right. And that's when the transition three became right. such a viable part of the game. And you see a lot more guys like Chauncey yeah. and Jameer and uh, Nelson, guys that knocked down a transition three. And that's when I felt that was my game. I mastered it. I left. I, I worked hard on everything else, but I made sure I mastered <laughs> knocking down a shot, and I found my niche. So you're yeah. saying you invented the transition three. I wouldn't, say I, inv- I wouldn't say I invented it. I mastered it. <laughs> I mastered it. Listen, 3D has broken a lot of ground now. Yep. The big three in Miami started right here. It's true. It's I mean, right. I'm, if he said it, listen, we, it, it might be a little revisionist history. So what? We'll get remember, three everybody, anyway remember, around here. The, the, the reason, and I'm glad Sekou brought it, the reason I, I, I like telling that story because the moral of the story that I harped on was three guys yeah. that weren't money hungry. Remember, mm-hmm. I, that's what I harped yeah. on. No, they're not going to leave all that money on the table. I, I said, guys, all three of these guys are coming off of max contracts. Right. Yeah. So money is not their motivation now. Yeah. Winning is. Right. So that, that's why I love uh, this story right there more than yeah. anything. That's, I mean – you talk about the rookie transition program, and I have—I've never been. Um, Me neither. But I'm curious. Go next year. Well, it's we awesome. were, we weren't. I went this past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you went and, and had a chance to, you know, do some stuff up there. I'm curious, how many kids in that room did you see really taking in what was being said, and how many do you think were like most rookies were, like maybe guys were when you came in the league and thinking, I hear them, but. That's not going to be me. Like, I'm the guy yeah. that's going to defy these odds. And you know. I'm, I'm not going to call any of the young guys out because I'm, I'm going to be fair. But there were a few guys you could see as you do in class in college, put your hand on your head and you <laughs> kind of half sleep and you're yawning. Mm-hmm. Can I go to the bathroom? And you go to the bathroom and you stay in there for half an hour. Yeah. Little stuff like that. I mean, it, it's going to happen because these are young kids. But I did see the more of the core guys setting up straight, 
They start mm-hmm. talking about the gambling. They start talking about the women. Start talking about the free time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you've seen guys start straightening up then because then they started showing faces that right. guys recognized. Right. They said, oh, yeah, I remembered him in the 90s. Yeah, I remembered him in the late 80s. And that's when guys started really paying attention. That's, that's interesting. I've, I want to go. Uh, you have to. Maybe, you know. Because, and for me, it was good to go because – uh, it started in 86, so I was in year four in 1990, my rookie mm-hmm. year, so I just started getting a lot of steam. Right. So now it really covers the whole gamut from the draft mm-hmm. to shoot around to days off to, uh, to, to how do you manage your time on the road, mm-hmm. how to order, how to pay for your incidentals. Because think about it. <laughs> yeah. For four years in college or one year, you never yeah. paid for an incidental. Right. So, so a lot of kids, you say, what's incidental? What is that? What is, what is an incidental? Because you've never used that terminology in college before. Yeah. So little stuff like that, guys, it, it kind of flies over their head until you tell them. Yeah, I mean, maybe they'll let us in next year, Lane. Yeah. They will. Maybe do the podcast. We should there. do a show Look from Exactly. Yeah. We got to talk. We got to call David Stern. We've been talking about I'll text Stern him up about with some of our too. ideas. Let me, we're going to have Lane text if, him. If, with if, a, if David Stern won't listen. Call Adam, Adam Silver. That's my dude. Say, say, D, say 3D Century. <laughs> three say 3D Century. Say last year y'all had a great conversation up there. Right. And, and the rookie transition program is great, but also I'll, I was teasing Adam Silver, you got to let the fans know more. Right. So when the Antoine Walker situation hits, mm-hmm. so people say, well, didn't they tell him about money? Yes, we told him day one. Right. So the bigger story, like I threw out there as an idea, let's revisit this every three to five years. Because mm-hmm. after your fifth year, okay, you start figuring out who you are on the court. Right. You start finding out you have new family members calling because you have more <laughs> money in your bank you've ever had before in your life. So stuff like that you have to learn to deal with because if, unless you have an older brother that's been drafted before in any other sport, right. you don't have an idea. Yeah, you yeah. Have no clue. Maybe after your second contract you should have to go back. I like after it. After you sign yeah. your yeah, second maybe, deal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, yeah. It, it's, it has to be refreshed because some of these guys, it happens so fast. Yeah. You know, y'all can get us in trouble around here. It's Thanksgiving week. Let's let's throw everybody a, a present. We're going. We've already gone this long. Let's go. Let's break this up into two. We'll have two hang time podcasts this week. A part one and a part two. Get Mike Conley on next. Talk with him. You know, and get this thing rolling one more time for Thanksgiving. I love it. Y'all good. I right. love it. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang Whitaker. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.